Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to our Big Book Telephone Workshop. My name is Herb, I'm an alcoholic, welcome. This call is being recorded. Please join me in the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my brokenness, the 12 steps in you for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my brokenness, the 12 steps, and especially you. Please join me in this serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. We've uh, <clears throat> had quite a journey. We've taken a deep look at our own problems and a possible solution powerlessness, both with regard to our addiction and with regard to our managing reality, our own life, that first stage of the rocket launch. We've taken actually a really deep look at ourselves. That's the whole point of the second stage of the rocket launch. To peer deeply into our lives, starting with our behavior and working our way to the exact nature and source of our suffering. We looked at the manifestations of our instincts gone awry, anger, fear, and dishonesty. And we, from my perspective, and maybe this is some of your experience, we actually penetrate through the conscious to the unconscious and are able to, for the very first time, have a new pair of glasses where we see the lenses through which we're looking and their distortions and delusions in our beliefs in that third column of the resentment inventory. And we see the distortions of our thinking in the fourth column where we look at our motives. They're corrupt motives, not subtle, actually, once we confront them with the tools that are laid out at, uh, at our feet for this work in the big book and my interpretation of it. We looked less analytically, but every bit as effectively at our fear. The source of it. At our dishonesty, especially as it manifested in our unhealthy sexual behavior in the past. The source of it. And in every case, throughout the step four, we saw two things. 
underneath all of our behavior, thoughts, and beliefs was powerlessness to be any different. Startling. And yet our full responsibility to be different. And the second aspect was to pray in every component of the fourth step was the suggestion for prayer as the ultimate solution because we're powerless. Step four is step one in writing. Step one is a knowledge of and an experience with. Step four puts clothes and color on the skeleton. In the conclusion of that second stage, at steps six and seven, how all of that corruption, all of that delusion, all of that compulsion is manifest in our behavior, stemming from habits that have been developed that are just unhealthy. In my day, when I was learning about psychology, they called it ego defense mechanisms, defending the ego. Today, with a little more sophistication and a better use of language, they call it unhealthy coping strategies. I really like it. Unhealthy coping strategies. It's just the way we try to survive, maybe even thrive. I've suggested that you take a look at the way of life document in terms of its list of character defects as, as a prompter for giving some vocabulary to some feelings and experiences that you've had that you may not have words for. It's completely outside the scope of the 12 step work in the sense, official sense but it was part of my experience. So I share it with you because it helped me. Maybe it'll help you looking at the Enneagram. It's a theory of personality study, legitimate theory. I think it's one of the more practical ones that allows me to see that people are different and it's biological and psychological structure. It is not to do with uh, up or down or good or bad or healthy or in unhealthy at all. It's just different. In the same way, some people are wired to be introverts and some people are wired to be extroverts. Pretty straightforward. The Enneagram comes from the Greek word Enea, meaning nine. Speculates that there are three basic perceptions of, rea of reality. Three ways that people see reality very differently. Not good or bad, just different. Every one of us has all three, but each of us has a dominant. I'm not going to do a major teaching on the Enneagram, but just to recap. 
And each one of those three ways of looking have three ways of looking, hence three times three is nine. Inia means nine in Greek. And there's a diagram that explains the interaction way beyond what I wanna talk about today. But the three areas, it's indicated in the way of life document at the end of the Enneagram list of character defects. <clears throat> and that's an unofficial list. That's just my review of, of the literature as I was studying it some years ago. The three major ways are from the head, which is a fear-based person. That would be numbers five, six, and seven. From the heart, and that would be a shame-based person, a dishonesty-based person. And that would be two, three, and four. And then the final gut person, person who perceives essentially from instincts, referred to as the gut in terms of just common nomenclature vocabulary. And that would be the, uh, the anger person. Numbers eight, nine, and one. The only reason I'm giving you that information is to make sense of the list that I have in the way of life document for no other reason. You might want to pursue it more deeply yourself. I found it quite helpful. The complete study looks at the shadows in us. That's its total purpose, to look at the shadows. We call them character defects. Bill calls them instincts gone awry. Biologists and psychologists call it fight, flight, and freeze. Survival instincts. But again, we're as powerless over our instincts, character defects, as they developed, as we are over our addiction, as we are over our resentments and our fears and our dishonesty, as I indicated earlier. And therefore, it's hand in glove with step seven, which is a prayer, my creator. I need to be recreated. All of that has its impact, those character defects, has its impact on other people. And Bill takes us on page 76 after the paragraph on step six that just focuses on willingness. It doesn't tell us to make a list of character defects. I suggest that because the paragraph suggests that we be willing to let them go. And if I don't know what they are, how could I be very clear that I'm willing to let them go? So that's my interpretation of that paragraph to make a list of your character defects. And then to write out your own seven step prayer is again, I've indicated not to improve it like we did with the third step, not to improve it, but to understand it. One of the understandings, at least from my standpoint, was the appreciation that that prayer begins with a, a word, my creator, which leads me to 
hope that Bill was thinking that I'm such a mess. I'm going to go to the builder and ask to be rebuilt, to repaired, to be repaired. And I have suggested not to spend much time on six and seven because, in fact, the underneath and the re and the reality is we're powerless over it. Now, when I say not much time, two or three hours after you finished your fifth step. I mean, literally finish and you've done the prayer and you've had a good night's sleep. I suggest people then do over the weekend, usually, and at least in my case, step six and step seven. But then we come to step eight. Bill, interestingly enough, and I don't have any explanation for it, it's the only time he does it, combines two steps at once. He says, let's look at steps eight and nine. He doesn't do it before this. He doesn't do it after it. He keeps the steps, steps separate, and he could have here. I keep it separate because they're very separate. Step eight is inventory. In the same way, step four was inventory. Step six was inventory. Step eight is inventory. Step eight is an inventory of the negative impact of our behavior. I'm hoping you're hearing that. So many people, when they're asked what's the harm done, they start talking about their behavior. Step eight is certainly about your behavior, at least as the warm-up act. But that's not the harms. That I stole $5,000, I didn't, but let's just assume in this mythical example, I stole $5,000. That's what I did. That's not the harm done. The harm done, perhaps it's a relative, that I've disabled this person financially, potentially. And there were implications of that to them, maybe food on the table at worst, or maybe college tuition for a child, or maybe the inability to do something that would have bettered their life by my disadvantaging them, by borrowing and not paying this money back. So my behavior is borrowing the money. That's not the harm. The harm does. What is the negative impact of borrowing the money and not paying it back as promised? That's the single question that you ask in the eighth step. The negative impact on someone or institution that diminished the quality of their life. I like that word, diminish. In fact, I use it in the way of life document. It's not in the big book, that word diminish. The word is harm in the big book. But I found that word as a barrier to me because it sounds very dramatic. And many of my harms didn't come in the category of cataclysmic or of that dramatic. Oh, they were serious. But for some reason, I needed to find a substitute word for harm 
in order to open up the whole closet of negative impact on other people and institutions. Bill says in page 76, we have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. Two components of step eight. They're there among other components on the way of in the way of life document. I suggest that you use a three by five card. If you don't have some, get a stack of them. My original eight step list was a eight by 11 regular white lined paper and it got really messy. I had, as I recall, about 35 amends to make in 1988. And um, by the time I had done two or three of them, the piece of paper was a mess making notes concerning addresses and or telephone numbers and or the dates that I had called or the dates that I had the appointment and some of the information that I wanted to put down concerning the specifics of the harm done, the behavior that I had and what specifically is going to be the amend. You can just hear the mess that it would end up being and it was and so I've learned and now my recommendation is to use a three by five card, one for every person or institution. Not one for every harm, one for every person and then just list the harms on that. The items on that way of life document are who did I diminish? So the name of the person, what did I do? So we are looking at behavior. What did I do to create that harm? But the third item is really at the nature of getting to the harm. What harm did I cause? What was the negative impact of my behavior or of the relationship that I was in? What was the negative impact on that person? If we can place ourselves behind their head, if we can place ourselves in their body, receiving whatever it was, was emanating from my behavior, what were they perceiving? What were they receiving? What was their feelings? What was their actions? What was the negative? How did I diminish their lives qualitatively? Maybe quantitatively, certainly, but qualitatively. How did I diminish their lives? The fourth component there in the way of life document is more specific than the big book, but it's implied in the big book process. And that is, preparing to make amend, I need to know, how am I going to repair the damage? I have an image in my head coming from Chuck C's book, A New Pair of Glasses, where he said, we write the wrongs through addressing it like Lady Justice. And he has this image that he portrays of the statue of Lady Justice standing there blind with a scale. How do we balance the scale? of justice, eight steps about that, specifically. Well, if you look legitimately, deeply at step eight, it has two components. Amend has two connotations. One is 
change. If, again, this is fictitious, just as an example, it's not my experience, but it's just for, as a dramatic example. If my behavior and the harm done was I beat my wife, I didn't, it's just an example. Then if I'm going to make amends, I better stop beating my wife. Otherwise it's completely insincere. So amend has that connotation that I will change my behavior. At least I will commit to changing my behavior so that I am being a person of integrity when I meet with that person to repair the damage with full intent on not creating that damage again. But the other connotation is to repair that damage. So it's like two sides of a coin. I'm going to amend or make a commitment to change my behavior. And in the process of the ninth step, I'm going to go to every person and or institution to discuss how I'm going to repair the damage. Now, clearly we cannot change the past. And there are some things that cannot be repaired or fixed in the sense of literally. But every person I've ever met, including the work that I've done, has been able to finish their eighth and ninth step, meaning finish completing their ninth step of making amends. It may be that the person is dead. I have experience in what you do there, repairing that damage to that person, even though they're dead. People who you cannot find legitimately and people that you should not find ethically and morally. You can make amends to those people without ever meeting them, without ever making contact with them. It's creative, it's spiritual. It's not in the big book, but it is my experience. I'll talk more about that when we get to the ninth step. You can finish your amends if you're clear on the harm done specifically and you're dealing with somebody who has experience with that specific circumstance. Not all people have all experience with everything, of course. Bill gives us some examples in the book, pages 76 to 83 criminal examples, dishonesty examples, infidelity examples. What he's doing there is trying to model how to approach this by establishing some principles, not obviously making a list of every potential situation for every potential human being, that would be impossible. But there are principles here. Rigorous honesty, clearly one of those principles. Humility, one of those principles. The final component in the list in the way of life document that goes on that card is, are you willing? 
That's the essence of eight step, isn't it? Just like it was the essence of the sixth step. You might be attached to something in the sixth step. It says, pray to be willing to be detached. I'm paraphrasing. You may be frightened and, and totally intimidated by facing the implications of the harm done. It may have severe financial implications. It may have severe legal potential implications. I have never once in my 37 years of sobriety, never once have I seen anybody harmed by doing a proper and appropriate, well-directed, experienced eighth and ninth step. I have seen people harmed, both the person making the amend and the person receiving the amend, where there has been ignorance or a lack of experience or a lack of good direction. But if people deal with knowledge and experience and follow direction, I do believe that they will bring healing to the person they're meeting with and paradoxically receive that same healing themselves. That's the nature of forgiveness. I've mentioned it several times, this process of forgiveness, a very sacred process, but it is a process. And it begins with that four steps, especially third and fourth column. That's where the forgiveness process begins, mildly, incrementally, and then it progresses through and gets, from my experience, completion by the end of the ninth step. By the end of the ninth step. Not by the end of the particular ninth step amend, but by the end of the entire process. Many people ask, well, when, when, do, when do I put myself on the list and when, when do I forgive myself? So it's, it's a really good question. Just like we, we talked about in the resentment inventory, do I put myself on the resentment list? The big book says yes. On page 66, perhaps it was remorse and regret. And then we were sore at ourselves. But I suggested there, as I'm suggesting now, we put ourselves last. My personal experience is I didn't need consciously to forgive myself. That wasn't part of my emotional makeup or my consciousness at the time. But what I discovered at the end of it, especially as I did some work on forgiveness, becoming quite conscious of what the process is, I realized that as I brought healing to other people, as I brought repair to other people, as I brought amend to institutions, I was changed and I was healed and I was forgiven. You know, and, and, and when you really take a serious look at the Lord's Prayer, it says that, doesn't it? We are released from our debt to the extent that we release others. And the St. Francis Prayer, we are forgiven to the extent that we forgive others. It's a powerful paradoxical experience, a truth. I have suggested that 
if you're really interested in a deeper understanding of forgiveness that's totally complementary to our process, read Fred Luskin's book, Forgive for Good. He's a clinical psychologist from Stanford. He's a professor there. PhD did his doctoral dissertation on forgiveness, the psychological development in the particular process. And then he converted that doctoral thesis into a book that lay people like ourselves could read with profit. Once you've understood and begun to participate in the 12 step process, especially as you're finishing your ninth step, it will make eminent sense because it parallels this process. I made that observation to him. We did a panel one time when the book first, his book first came up about 30 years ago, I just completed my step work. And the people who ran the panel were asked me to do it from a spiritual 12 step standpoint, a talk on forgiveness and Fred Luskin to do it from a clinical psychology standpoint. He's not spiritual. He doesn't come from any spirituality or any 12 step. He's aware of it, but certainly not knowledgeable or experienced with 12 step. It's a completely human development, psychological approach. And after we were finished, the panel went, well, I was speaking to him privately and I said, you know, Fred, as I have experienced the process of forgiveness from my 12 step perspective and read your book from the psychological perspective, Underneath the dynamic is absolutely the same. The vocabulary is different, of course, but the, the dynamic, the actual stages and process steps are identical. And in all humility, it was very impressive. He said, Herb, that's, that's true because it's a human process. But you in the 12-step community and or with any spiritual component have a real advantage. And I said, Fred, what's that? He said, you've got God. You've got a power other than yourself. I can't introduce that because I'm a scientist. I'm a psychologist. But it's the X plus factor that might make a critical difference in what people do. And I bring that to your attention because that's where we come from. Whatever your thoughts are, you have some hope that there is a power other than yourself, maybe even some very strong belief that, that, that that is real. I believe that's the component that makes a huge difference in the experience of this process. It says we have this list. It says on page 76, we made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. All right, then he immediately talks about step nine. Maybe that's why he wove them together. It's not necessary from my standpoint, but it is what Bill did. Step eight is a list. Step nine is the action. But I do want to point out two things before we conclude at least this part of the unpacking of the material. I'll do more next week. On page 76, 
He says, remember, it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. Well, when did we at the beginning agree to go to any lengths for victory over alcohol? Not coincidentally, that was one of the questions that we asked you to ask yourself at the very beginning of this process. Are you willing to go to any length and what does that mean? And we looked at it, it might make more difference now that you've had more exposure and experience to this step workshop and the big book. On page 58, chapter five, how it works, that's where that comes from. In the second full paragraph, If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it. This is the preface, page 58, to the third step. Just before we take the third step, that commitment to turn and that commitment to do steps four through nine. It says, are you willing to go to any length and then confirms it? What do they mean by that dash? Then you are ready to take certain steps. Steps four through nine. Notice though, it's in italics here, which means it's pretty important, the big book's way of highlighting. And he relates it to alcohol, the addiction part, the first half of the first step. Remember it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over the first half of the first step powerlessness. But look at page 79, where he uses the same language in that first paragraph with a completely different focus, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length, same warm up, but a very different ending to find a spiritual experience. Oh, he's bookending it. On page 76, he talked about addiction and alcohol. On page 79, he's talking about unmanageability, the antidote of which is a spiritual experience. We ask the big book's way of suggesting prayer. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. Again, the same paradigm that he uses in step 11 itself, praying for the knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry it out, knowledge and power. Here he's saying, Give us strength, power, and direction, knowledge. The internal integrity of this book is demonstrated within each step. One, one last thing on page 77. Sure, we're doing this to heal ourselves, to deal effectively with our addiction, to heal effectively with our lives. Yes, but Bill's going to correct the order of priorities here. Because again, it's not about us anymore. After we've seen unmanageability as selfishness and self-centeredness, and we begin to understand that the antidote is other-centeredness, we realize that we're not the priority any longer. That God and other people are the priority. 
At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order, page 77. But this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. This is the turning that Bill talks about in his own story on page 14. Simple but not easy. A price has to be paid. It means the destruction of self-centeredness. We must turn in all things to the Father of light who presides over us all. Steps 11 and 12. I look at that as the spiritual coin, the purpose and the outcome of the 12-step process. To be awake means that I have a relationship with power other than myself in step 11. And I have a relationship with people in the first half, step 11, a relationship with other with a capital O and on the other side of the coin, a relationship with people other with a small O. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. There's a lot more. We'll cover it in the next couple sessions or more. Um, I indicated to you last time to read um, pages 76 through 83 from the vantage point of step eight. It's all a mush from Bill's standpoint because he combined eight and nine. But I asked you to read it from the just from the lens of harm done. Now I'm asking you to reread it, maybe with a different color highlighter, the way we did step two. Read it with a different color. Read it from the perspective and the lens of step nine. What is he giving us examples, practical examples or principles of making amends, meaning repairing damage, not necessarily about change, that component that I talked about as the first component, because I think everybody pretty much is clear as to what they want to do to change from the negative to the positive. But how do you repair the damage of all that negative behavior? So I'm not asking you to do anything other than read it, pay attention to the examples that he have of amends and um, examples that he illustrates directly or indirectly with regard to principles, the principles of making amends. Excellent. Right now, I'd like to begin taking a look at, uh, at where you're at in the step process, your experience with it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just just in doing the fifth step, there was, I, I was able to look my sponsor in the eye and talk about those things. And, you know, those that, oh, the, the only problem I had with the fifth step was that that nun of mine that, you know, that sister who was abusive in the first grade and how I didn't know how to do a fourth column on her because I truly didn't have a part in it. And yet I really carried her for 30 years. No, but more that, than that. That was your part, you see. The carrying? I, I, I guess I figured that out. Yeah. That, <laughs> exactly. That I, that I gave her 
I stole from the people in my life because I was so in the past with her. Mm-hmm. So is that is is that the right train of thought? Like is well, that it's not about right or wrong, but it's healthy for you to take responsibility. Yes, this nun was probably a very challenged person emotionally and psychologically, and and she inflicted it on you. Yes, that is true. But at age 18 or 21, that was just a past experience. And what prevented you from letting it go? That's really the key question, because it served your purpose in somehow. That was the fourth column, right? But I don't, all it did was make me miserable. Well, uh, you held it for a long time because it had a value to you. And so you were able to complain about that or at least excuse uh, your misery as a result of this past event and not take responsibility for changing it currently. I just would not let this lady go. Yes. I would not. She was on my amends list. The last person that I, I made a Crucio. I don't know if you know what that is. Yes, I do. So I made a Crucio and I was finally able to forgive her. Wonderful. Yeah. So, but um, it's, it's just been a wonderful experience. But you know what? For her, I feel like I just scratched the surface that there's so much more. Well, it'll be interesting what your feeling is about this process when you finish your ninth step on this process. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if you still felt that I've just scratched the surface and that there's more. Because there's always more. Because there's always more light. Yeah. Yeah. Truly an eye-opening. I'm very glad that I that I came to this workshop and and was willing to trust the process because I have a hard time with trust. Yeah. You know, it's good good for you, but not so good for me, you know, because I'm apparently it is good for you because you exercised it and now you're having a new experience. I am. I highly recommend it to everyone who's listening. Well, how about to the people who aren't listening? (laughs) (laughs) this is now your job to become an evangelist okay carry the good news yeah yeah this is the good news oh you're suffering i used to suffer but i did this work and i don't suffer anymore and if you're suffering and you don't want to suffer do this work and see what happens that's right you're not any different yeah exactly that's really the huge point right there right that's right (laughs) thank you for your help and i made um a list of my character defects and just from the top of my head just like you suggested that we do in the instructions then i went to the um enneagram and i was amazed Mm -hmm. i'm really amazed at what out that I am a two, three, four, shame, dishonest-based person. Yeah. And it was just, and when I say amazed, the, the character defects that I wrote down about myself were in those three areas. <laughs> and this is the other thing, Herb. Um, and one of the things that is said about me is that I'm like um, the shame-based thing. You know, I have a tendency to beat up on myself, right? And slip into self-pity and feel sorry for myself and all that kind of stuff. But when I read that stuff, I didn't go there. 
Mm. I did not go there. Like I was like, because some of the stuff is harsh. I mean, it's like <laughs> I'm vain. I'm grandiose. You know, I mean, it was like all of this shallow stuff. And I was like, I thought I was a little deeper than that. You know, <laughs> some of the stuff that it was saying. And if I'm honest with myself, I am those things. I can be those things when I am, what did you say? Um, when I am, um, what did you had a word for it? Um, when I'm using unhealthy coping strategies. Yes. Okay. I can be those people. Yes. Things, but that's not all that I am. No. It's like I was able to keep it in perspective yes. and get in my head and be like, oh my God, am I ever going to get better? Oh Jesus, this is overwhelming. Yep. All this negative, hooky stuff. Yep. And Herb, this is what I've been running from. Yep. This is what I've been running from. Yep. Is seeing that stuff in black and white and being able to own it and say, you know what? I, I can't be that way emotionally unavailable you let me tell it i'm the most caring sensitive loving person there ever is and that's not true you know? i mean i can be phony and it said that and i was like this it was like i had an epiphany you know like i had a spiritual yeah. um, another spiritual awakening you know it's like my spirit is awakening to the truth about who i am yeah okay and it was like I can be that stuff. I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again because it was just such, um, uh, I don't know. Revelation. Revelation, right? And on some level, I knew those things, but I wasn't owning them. I wasn't claiming them. And I wasn't able to fully embrace it and say, you know what? You are that stuff. And it's okay. That's the reason why you're in this workshop. Yes. That's the reason why you're doing this work to get in touch with that stuff and to use the tools of the program to get rid of it. You yeah. know, that's that's why I'm here. So it's okay. And that's the it's good better thing. than okay. It really is. It really it's is because therapeutic. It's like um God uh uh has allowed me to become uh uh aware of these things when it was time. Okay, and that's always been one of my struggles, um, not accepting where I am. I mm -hmm. am where I am, where yeah. God has me. And I always want to be someplace else. Yeah. I want to be smarter, better, more yeah. insightful. I want to be all this stuff. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. You know? and, it, and it even said that in, in that two, three, and four, that I want to be special. Yeah. Okay. Above the rules yes. that apply to me. I'm special. I'm unique. I was like, damn. I know it. <laughs> it's shocking. It's embarrassing. And yet, it, there's something comforting about the fact that, oh, if they can diagnose it that way, it must be pretty common. I'm, 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 I'm not that special, even in my specialness. Mm -hmm. But it's the grandiosity, you know, of it all. Right. And, and, and I just didn't even realize that. I started reading this pamphlet on grandiosity, you mm -hmm. know, because, I mean, I knew what the word meant, but I didn't know what all the characteristics of grandiosity are. Right. And when I started reading this pamphlet, it was like, wow, this is me. Yeah. It, it is me, but... Like I said, the good news is, is, is that that's not all 
that I am. Right. Well, and it's the process that is therapeutic. One of my colleagues is a psychologist, and he says, to name it is to tame it. Mm. Now, you added another word there as I was listening to you. You named it. You claimed it. Now you're taming it. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for that. And, um, you know, at the same time, then you realize this is the way I'm built, but it's not a condemnation. Right. It, it's an invitation. Because as you just said, it does, it's not all of me. It's just the unhealthy part of me. And I'm going to use the healthy part of me to make the unhealthy part more healthy. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you know what else it did? It helped me to see, um, um, you talked about um, 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 how we come about um, determining our morality, right? Yep. And some of the things that, that are on those, that list, I, I want to be the opposite of, I want to practice the opposite of. Right. Some of it had to do with, you know, morality for me. So this list served more than one purpose for me. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So All thank right. you, Herb. And I just want to echo what the person said before me. This I have I have really enjoyed being mm -hmm. in this workshop. And yeah. I can count the number on my hand of the times that I've missed because it's very important for me to be here. And when I miss, I listen. Yeah. I go back and I listen to what I've missed because it's so rich. Yeah. I don't want to miss anything. I want to, you know, suck it all in. So <laughs> thank you. And then I went through the character defects and I came up with 23 from columns three and four. Yeah. And um, and I was just going to ask you a suggestion where to find the rest of the character defects. Like um, in your heart. I, I could in my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not a treasure hunt outside of you. Yeah. Okay. It's the treasure hunt inside of you. Mm -hmm. uh, not. It's not about a long list. It's about an accurate appraisal of your own sort of deficiencies or unhealthy okay. coping strategies, as we've said. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I, I thought that they, it looks pretty um, complete. And I did have one question from it, like with the code of, uh, codependency is one of my character defects. So, but under that, um, I've listed, you know, the, the characteristics of codependency, like controlling, interfering, gossiping, critical, uh, dishonest, manipulative, hypocrite, and uh, not transparent. So I would imagine it's a good idea to take each one individually, because the more accurate you are, the better you can understand the behavior, say. Is that? Um... Well, I don't see any downside to it unless you start getting too perfectionistic, like if I really understand it, it's going to go away and or I'll control it. That's true. Because yeah, you're not going to control it and it's not going to go away because you understand it. Mm -hmm. The whole uh, emphasis I've made based on what I believe the big book presents us is that we're powerless over this defect, this source of our suffering. We are responsible for how it manifests in our behavior. That's really uh, the point of six and seven, that I can name it, I can analyze it, I can talk about it as a source. I just can't change it as a source. But 
in my own case, and I'll be very specific, my character defect was infidelity. At four years of sobriety, I did this work and I saw the truth and I had a willingness, a willingness to be changed. I made a commitment to pray every day specifically for the removal of the source problem. But I talked to this man on a daily basis about how I was doing actually practically on a behavior basis. So I was mm -hmm. praying because I was powerless and I was accountable because I'm human. And the combination of those two things changed me. The behavior, as I've mentioned before, changed within 48 hours. And the inclination, the character defect itself, didn't go away for about two years. Yeah. yeah. So it's not an overnight thing. Yeah. Well, not in my case. It might be for other people. And it might be random in their own selection. All right. Uh, in other words, who... I don't know how grace is going to impact you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just thought that when I went to do that uh, worksheet on the character defects, um, individually separating them out might make it more clear, which I guess I know I'm looking for. Oh, no, I understand I, I it more. I, I don't see any downside. You've got time before mm -hmm. you do your fifth step. You've got mm -hmm. time. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, yellow flag is up. Are you mm -hmm. the kind of perfect, perfectionist that will get uh, too tied up in the details? I don't know the answer, but you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is a definitely an issue I have kind of not, I wouldn't call myself perfectionistic, but I like to, um, I like to do skirting around it so I don't have to get to it, if you know what I'm meaning. Like I love to uh, oh. uh, analyze it to death, analyze and then do nothing, you know, yeah. do nothing yeah. at all. You yeah. know that whole Yes, analysis by paralysis, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that, that's why I was going to say that step six and seven um, seem to be taking longer than two hours that you well, mentioned. I, kind it, of thing. It's just... What I, when I say that, I, as you know, I have no rules. I have no, no I know. But what I'm trying to signal is that it's, it's sh shorter. Hmm, the goal is shorter than longer here. Just to, if it takes you four hours, it takes you four hours. Who cares? But I'm just saying, because I know that 30, 40% of you are perfectionistic and will just worry the damn thing to death. Uh, or actually, on the other hand, they, you will worry it to life. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll end up with more character <laughs> defects. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so I should that, be happy I, with 23, exactly. Well, you know, <laughs> what I did, and I think I've mentioned that, is um, I looked at maybe I had 30 or 40, and I, I put them in families, and I saw that there was like 10 different families of related because there's lots of synonyms. And then I distilled it once again. And I saw the legitimacy of the big book coming from the instincts of uh, anger and fear and uh, dishonor mm -hmm. as the primary sources, though that real exact nature and root. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think I'm an Enneagram too. And so I could, I could kind of look at them coming from that too, I suppose. But that's again, analyzing it to death too, so. Well, um, ask yourself, what is the purpose of the work that you intend on doing? 
Right. You just true. get clear on that and make sure that mm -hmm. it's balanced and common sense and it's going to be helpful. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I did write my uh, a seventh step prayer. If you, if you want me to share it, I wouldn't yeah. mind. Okay. Um, my creator, I am willing to let your light grow in me to become stronger and more radiant. Please remove from me every single defective character that blocks your light. Please let, let it heal me. Let its love heal my fear and sadness um, so that I may rejoice in being alive. And let, it, let me be freed by the powerful light and love of your spirit so I can then be of usefulness to you and others and grant me strength and willingness to do your bidding. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to get a different word for bidding, but I, I couldn't find it. It's nothing. I can't take it. It's just it's too good. You know, like it's, I can't. Wonderful. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the final analysis, I, I didn't change any of the words in the third mm -hmm. or seven step prayer on an ongoing basis because I find them actually pretty accurate and very helpful. Um, so I finished five, um, did six, and I would, and working on seven, and I have a question for you, two things in particular. Are you saying you did your fifth step? Yes. And and how, how was that experience? Uh, I have to say I was really proud of myself. I think it's the most courageous fifth step I've done mm -hmm. in my 30 years of sobriety, mm -hmm. because it was the root of a lot of stuff that I um, might not have had the maturity to have handled that I yeah. really, really proud of myself yeah. for showing up for it yeah. um, makes me teary. It's just so such a, a powerful, it's, yeah. it's powerful. So yes. it was very powerful. And I am on the end, I'm on the receiving end of um, infidelity, which is why I'm divorced. Right. And when I looked at my part, uh, I felt less victimized. Mm -hmm. I felt more empowered as a human being, as a woman. Right. And yet it was a hand in glove fit. Yeah. You know, for as long as it worked, it worked. Right. If that makes any sense at all. Makes total sense. Yeah. It's it's not um it's not what the world says about infidelity, but it is what spirit has done for me and my yeah. sponsor had told me long ago that we can't expect other people to live our life because we're in recovery and they're not right so uh none of my business what other people think right my business so what i felt like i i felt good and i when i went to go do the sixth step i i felt very light and grounded at the same time and then something happened <laughs> And I'm not quite sure what it is. It's almost like the freedom to have these defects of character be alive instead of pretending I'm an Enneagram three, so I'm all heart. <laughs> and I used to be really ashamed. I wished and I would, and in my inventory, I found that I would pick women who were really boisterous and loud and CEO, not that CEOs are those, you know, but I mean, just really powerhouse women. And I would be the one who was more quiet. And I'd be like, well, she, what she meant to say was, and, um, and I thought that was a, I thought that was a bad thing. And what I'm seeing is that there is a huge place for somebody like me in this world. It's kind of what I've gotten so yeah. far. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 there's going to be more healing as you do this work. Yes. I'm, I'm hearing the healing at the deepest level. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a little bit, we had our, our meeting, our group meeting, and we were using the uh, character defect worksheet. And prior to this meeting, I was feeling irritated because what this worksheet offers is to have a behavior that's opposite. Yes. And if I have used, and I literally in the Enneagram on the defects of character in three, I got, I have all of them. And um, so I, for instance, I put jealous, like I never wanted you to ever know that I was jealous of anything, but there's something freeing about knowing that I get jealous. Yeah. This is super simple. And then what is my behavior in it? But what's curious to me is what would the behavior be uh, in, in number five, what behavior would this virtue manifest? The opposite of column two. Well, if I have lived a life based upon these defects of character, I don't know. So the only thing I came up with for jealousy would be to actively listen. And instead of being a phony happy for you, maybe I can just sit back and listen. And if I truly am happy for someone, I'll go, wow, that's amazing. And if I'm not, maybe I just listen. So the opposite of jealous is happy that they have joy in their heart. Yes. Well, you just said it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I've lived a life. <laughs> if I've been not actually authentically feeling happy for them, sure. bullshitting my way through the whole thing. Yeah, that's socially protocol. You know, there's some, there's, yeah, the, the culture is very plastic. Very much so. And yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I think before this inventory, that worked fine for me. Thank you very much. Well, at least you think it did. <laughs> I thought it did. I thought it did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I feel like is the tree's been rattled, the leaves have fallen, yeah. and I'm looking back up at the tree and the, and, and the light's coming through. Yeah. It, it's not as dense, but I still feel this immense healing going on. I don't yeah. necessarily feel free and ready. And quite frankly, if you ask me, like if, if I had to do an A step to make amends to my ex-husband for that stuff, if I would have been like, no, <laughs> no. But now I'm like, just go back to the resentment prayer. It's not, um, it, I don't feel stuck. I feel like, wait a minute, I have tools. Yes. So I'm going yes. back to the resentment prayer. At least prayer. I'm willing to look at the areas that I might have caused harm. Yes. Yeah, whereas when you're in full resentment, it's like, let the son of a bitch die a slow death. I was hoping syphilis or something, something <laughs> like that. But I, you know, I, I want to be honest, too, is like, you know, the, the people that were on my, on my, um, my fourth step that I did my fifth step with, these are the people that I've really played small with. Mm -hmm. So the requirement, I'm so glad that we have a reprieve and we're not on the ninth step yet because I need a little more armor. I need a little more practice discovering mm -hmm. this voice and this power greater than myself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little fragile. I'm not going to lie. I feel a bit fragile with it all. Well, and the eighth and ninth step takes the longest usually, especially if it's the first time or it's a new refreshing time that you're looking at it. Um, 
And uh, my recommendation is to start with the very smallest, almost innocuous ones first. And then as you get progress with doing the ninth step, both the words, the gestures, and the feelings that you take on the more substantive ones and don't do the hell no ones until the very end. And I do believe everybody that does it that way progressively comes to the hell no's and they're going to go, well, hell yes, I want freedom more than I want the son of a bitch to die. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm glad. And this worksheet, um, I was going to gloss over it. I wasn't going to do it, but I think it's a really, it's a stretch. Mm -hmm. It's a stretch to give those character defects yet another flavor Mm -hmm. or another insight or just, I mean, just to go, Oh, okay. Well, as somebody said, I don't think it was on this call, but they said, I have this, she was talking currently. I have this deep sense of fear who will I be without my character defects? I have no idea what's on the other side of that. And it's intimidating. Yes. It's incredibly intimidating. I would echo that. I would steal that sentence right away. And I would say it's been, it's almost as if I, in my own delusion of myself, have polished them and made and put them up on shelves. Oh, you've raised them from babies and now they're mature and you've added epaulets to them. Oh, and you salute. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So anyways, so I'm really looking forward to getting to know me. Yeah, that there, the real you. Yes. Not the phony, not the fake, not the political, not the social, not the person that's accumulated all of this Hollywood storefront. Yes. No, it's all, it's being dismantled. It's kind of like, whoa, something, the phoenix rises out of the ashes. Yes. And, and, and just be patient with it. There's no rush. And I'm saying, I've, I've, I've always said that, but I really mean it with regard to steps eight and nine. Sacred work, probably the most difficult work to do properly health in a healthy way and you need well we'll talk more about the ninth step when i get there but it's really about getting experience guidance that's my concern you know the people i've surrounded myself might not have the experience that you reach out you reach out you'll find you'll find resources we'll talk more about that when we get to the ninth step in a in a week or two all right okay back in the um, food again and I really didn't come in here identifying you know with that fellowship but it has come to I guess I'm getting more willing about accepting that but I feel that it has sort of dampened my progress here with the steps I'm still moving forward but sort of questioning whether I just need to start all start all over again at step one so that's where I am. Um, the answer is no. <laughs> okay. All right. I have no qualifiers on that. Yeah. You need to get through step nine to find success with your addiction. Okay. So that's my, you're welcome to have 
sponsor direction or whatever else and follow anything else other than what I'm saying. But the promise of freedom is on pages 84 and 85. We are placed in a position of neutrality. And that, right. assumes, that assumes that you finish the ninth step. Okay. And before I got on here, I, you know, I had this thought. I said, this wasn't what I came in. I, I, I didn't come in about the food. I came in with something else. And those were the exact words you said to me. Stay. Don't make any big decision until you finish step nine. So I'm trusting in that because I'm hearing it from, I'm hearing it again. Yeah. Um, and um I, I, and what I do want to say is that <clears throat> two years ago, I, I did your program for some reason. I don't know whether it's this zoom and I listen to everyone and their experience. Oh my gosh, it is amazing. And so I carry that with me, you know, as hope for me as well, but I've been blown away. Yeah. from the depth of yeah. everyone sharing. It is just, the spirit surely is at work here. Yeah. So I'm gonna hang in there, thank you. Uh, yeah, amen and ditto. <laughs> okay, thanks Herb. So now I've been working on step six and I'm a little confused. I just wanted to get your feedback here. I have like four pages of character defects. So I said, okay, that's too many. So <laughs> then I have the head dump. And I have the um, defects from column four. Then I had, I thought these were helpful, the turnarounds on my resentment fourth column. So I started writing them out and I said, okay, I just need to narrow it down. So I narrowed it down to 10 things. Is that about right? Well, it is right because that's what you did. Sure, don't second guess yourself. That sounds like a very therapeutic process, uh, very parallel to what I went through. What um, do you want to do? You, are you brave enough to read off all 10? Um, well, I've just done the, the uh, well, yeah, I can read the 10 I have are um, over dependent, irresponsible, dishonest, uh, negative. I care more about me than about others. Um, still just like compulsive eating behavior, like I eat too fast, I eat food that's too spicy, too salty, too hot. So I'm working on that or I'm asking God to help me with that one. And I'm fearful. So those are what I came up with. So when you came up with it, which is just a wonderful list, by the way, and now you've articulated it out loud, what's your experience with it? Um, I think it's, I think it covers most things because I did two of your, I did a worksheet on two of them and I just sort of put the things that were on all these different pages sort of as different behaviors. All right. And so you're saying in the six step worksheet, which creates a turnaround. And what did you see as the major virtues that and behaviors that would represent the turnaround? Well, let's see. The first one was just I did the over dependent. So the behavior would just be 
need approval of others. I hold on to relationships too long. I ignore my needs. Um, I don't trust my judgment and I fear consequences of my decisions. So I'm defending my, uh, I can continue to be irresponsible by doing these things. I can never grow up. I can never learn from, <clears throat> from bad or embarrassing mistakes and I can never learn to trust myself and my higher power. So the virtue would be interdependence. And I said that behavior would look like willing to grow up, stand on my own feet, make my own mistakes and learn and trust myself and my higher power as the center of my gravity. All right, all right. Now you used the word interdependence. What I believe you really mean is independence. Okay, independence. Because interdependence means that there's a bridge between you and another person. Inter means between. Okay, so just independence. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, from the way you described it, I believe that's what you mean there. Yeah. Okay. Then I, I wrote this other one on irresponsible. And I just said my behavior is I take little uh, positive action to care for my own happiness. I manipulate to get others to do things for me. I blame others rather than take action. I'm passive. I give up too easily. I'm fearful, making mistakes, um, such as uh, I fear making mistakes and that others will judge me like I judge them and saying no and setting boundaries. I don't excel for fear of women not liking me, like example with men. Um, I put others' feelings ahead of my own and I hold on to the fantasy that I am a princess and life should be easy. All right. Very uh, colorful. Yeah. Nice. Really, I mean, you're really plumbing the depths of it. Wonderful, full description. Go ahead. Okay. So I'm defending, again, continue to blame others and not have to change and uh, never learning how to do anything. Uh, <clears throat> by having other people do it, I never learn how to do anything. So that's what I put there. And the virtue would be taking responsibility for my own life and my own happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And how, so, would, how would that manifest in behavior? I said I'd stop blaming others and taking action. I'd make my best effort and trust God with the results. I'd stop judging others. I'd excel where I can, whether women like me or not. I'd be honest uh, protect myself by saying no and setting boundaries and give up the fantasy that life, uh, give up a fantasy that life is not always easy. And um, I should, oh, I give up the fantasy and just realize life is not always easy and learn to live and learn. So what's your experience with writing that, which is just a wonderful full sort of evaluation and insight from my standpoint, and now reading it out loud? Um, well, it's pretty thorough, and now I, I, I know what I can pray about and what I need to do. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You and don't I'm, have to do it by tomorrow, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I had a question. So would, this, would these two go under the category 
of flight, the instinct flight, which would be the self-seeking and fear, and I'm protecting my security instinct. Is that what you meant by that? It sounds to me like that's what you're re resonating with because, I mean, it's really up to you as to what you feel is, and it, you know, it's probably helpful to kind of know what the source is, but it's, um, it's really your decision as to how you uh, res that seems like what you picked out, right? Okay, good. Well, yeah. so then this, I'm just going to write on these 10 things or so and just pull out the other little things. It's just descriptions. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, right? And um, then write out a um, <clears throat> seven-step prayer. And okay. Pray the one certainly from the big book and move on to the eighth step. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. A few weeks ago, you and I had a discussion on a character defect, which I thought was defensivism, I mean, defensiveness. And um, at the end of our discussion, you said that was a symptom, that I really had to work on what was the defect and to put a plan into action to do that. This is seven step work. And part of that plan should be, I shouldn't say should, um, uh, I will say should, um, include a, um, an accountability person. Sure. And to first journal or scribe it out every day um, when I find myself being defensive and then scribe it out and then report. So I would like to report if I may. Nice. Okay. Good. So, um, first of all, thank you. It was a model of how to give me and everybody else context as to what it is you want to share about. So thank you so much. I'm just reinforcing that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, first of all, um, you had said that there was something underneath there that was a character defect. And I'm believing to think that it is Self-centered fear mixed in with shame oh. and that um, demonstrates or as defensiveness and don't tell me what to do. Why are you judging me? But as you pointed out, and this has been so helpful, I'm judging the judger. Mm -hmm. I'm judging the judger. So we kind of neutralize, you know, that's been wonderful. But um so I got my plan and um, I have actually, I have my AA sponsor, my FA sponsor and my 12-step um, therapist, all who are my accountability. So, you know, among the three of them, um, I don't know if that's overkill, but it's fine oh, for right oh. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, they'll all maybe give me different, I'm hoping. Um, and it's only been two weeks, but I must say I am pausing, pondering, and praying before I react. I mean, I have that awareness. Um, I've accepted that in me, and I want to do the action. To, and, and I keep remembering, you know, what you said, you know, within 48 hours, you were able to get rid of the yep. um, behavior. <laughs> but it took two years or whatever, for whatever it was, yes. to get rid of the thoughts inclination inclination 
Okay, the inclination. So I'm not being hard on myself. This is, um, a, I'm a work in progress. And I am, um, I'm very happy that I have a plan. Yeah, that has really helped yeah. to have a plan and then to implement it and then to share it with others to be accountable because oh. otherwise I'd be, um, I do it for a week and I'd Oh, well, okay, let's put that one in the drawer till the next step study group or something. Right, so, right, right, right. Um, so, going, thank you, wonderful. Going back to the first part of the conversation, you said fear and shame and judging that conversation. <clears throat> so, in addition to, yes, everything you've said, yes, 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 wonderful, continue, see what happens. And if you care to, I, I'm inviting you to continue to keep us in the loop as to the, your progressive consciousness, because that's the real key there, is you're pausing because you're conscious. You're pausing because you want to change. You're willing to change, all right? I mean, everything you said is a reinforcement uh, uh, to what it is you're doing. But here's my incremental suggestion and that is asking yourself so what am i afraid of mm -hmm. you, you said uh i have a fear and a shame and and some other words but i think there's another little bit of level down underneath that because the whole concept of defensiveness what are you afraid of that you're defending? So underneath there, there's still some something I think that's going to help you when you clarify it. Okay. All right. I will pray. I will keep. Yeah. Praying. Let's be, be just yeah. add that to your awareness, your intention. I'm not yeah. saying do anything specifically, but just right. have that as a component, like challenging it. Thank you for that suggestion. I will yeah. take that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, sir. I too am, am, have always been really defensive and I take things personally. And, um, and I know that that's, that's part of my, that, that there's a fear there. And, um, and, I, and I'm dishonest because I'm afraid that I'm going to be judged or censured or exposed yeah exposed and then i'll be shamed you know so what are you afraid is going to be exposed it, you don't have to answer that i'm not, that i'm that i can be wrong that i'm not always right and that hence is the reason that you are dishonest yes and that's why you do take it personally because you think they're making you wrong Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, is that what I'm defending? Well, I, you have to answer the I question. That's I'm a little it's confused. It's a really good question. All right. But don't look to me for the answers. I'm much better. <laughs> yeah. I'm much better helping you phrase the questions mm -hmm. because the answers are really got to come up from you. I, I really don't know what you're defending. Oh, I could speculate, but that's not going to be very helpful. It's really well, up. I, I guess what, what we, you just asked me was, you know, that's what I'm defending. I'm, I'm 
defending myself from feeling shame. Um, all well, right, but, but the feeling of shame is a symptom. It's coming from someplace. And you did say, so I'll repeat it. I have a fear of being wrong when I actually see I'm wrong or I others believe that I'm wrong, even though I don't believe I am, shame comes out of that. So shame is coming out of it as a symptom of the underlying I am wrong or I am perceived as wrong. There's two different ways that you could react, see. I am wrong or I am perceived as wrong, in both cases, you're going to have this defensiveness. Right. All right. But then underneath that, I mean, where's the, it sounds to me like a lack of personal confidence. Where yeah, you live. That's just what I was going to say. Oh. It comes from my feeling that I'm not okay. You're there. I have this big underlying feeling that I'm there. not okay. Bam. You see, at least at this level of what our conversation, that's what you're defending. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I mean. I get it. No, I get it. Yeah. 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 That essentially, I don't believe I'm okay and I want to be okay and I want you to see me okay. So, God damn it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's another thing that I've carried, carried all my life that makes me suffer. It makes and you suffer. Yeah. yeah. And I really would like to yeah. really like my higher power to remove that, but and, I don't know if that's. And, and it, so it's wonderful to pray specifically that seven step prayer for the conversion transformation of that. But from what to what you've defined from what a lack of self-confidence, what would in fact be the virtue that would be opposite Feeling that I'm okay just as I am. It's yes. Warts and all. And yes. Oh, nice. Actually, that's really the 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 legitimate part is I'm okay even though I'm really not okay. I have warts, but right. I'm okay with my warts. That that's yeah. really, that's yeah. a great insight. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I know nobody's, I mean, you know, I'm just another human being and I'm another, I make yeah. mistakes, but it's like, I can't make mistakes. All my life, I felt like. And you could probably, I'm not a therapist, but you could probably trace that back to family of origin where you weren't allowed to make mistakes or to be a mistake or to be imperfect and that could have been father, mother, grandmother, grandfather, or whoever, but it doesn't make any difference because here you are. <laughs> Hi, here I am many, yeah. many years later. Yeah. 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 Still feeling that way. Yeah. And, yeah. and operating and my behavior is manifesting from that. Yeah. 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 So, so again, I'm going to add to this. Um, okay. You know, as I, I kind of like have, senses and awarenesses and feelings when I'm talking to each individual. And, and when it comes to me, I just want to say it and see if it resonates with you. In your meditation, you might want to bring in 
the phrase from the Hebrew scripture, God made humans in God's image and likeness. What does that mean for you? I mean, that's a rhetorical. If we're to take into meditation, am I, am I sincerely made in the image and likeness of God? What does that mean? One of my own teachers talks about every human being has a core of goodness. That's their essence, a yes. core of goodness. Yes. And meditate on what does that mean for me? That I literally have a core of goodness. Oh, I have this material body, of course. And it's genetically driven. And therefore, it's going to be material imperfect and genetics imperfect. But other than that, underneath it, the life force, the life form that gives me my own life existence, that part of me that leaves my body and when I'm dead, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a perfect that's a perfect life force. I've studied Buddhist literature and, you know, it's all about that. You know, that it's, the body is not all that you are. And that, that's going to yeah. eventually isn't going to go away. What's left? Well, what, what is the true self? If we're made in the image of God or higher power or spirit, then it's love. That's a conclusion. All right, yeah. that's a conclusion. And, but, and other people may have different conclusions, but that, ha and, then, and then you have to ask yourself, well, what does that, I mean, these are rhetorical. I'm not mm -hmm. inviting a discussion. I'm happy to have a, dis but uh, I'm not inviting it. I don't feel any responsibility. Don't you feel any responsibility to respond? But what does that mean, love? What is that? It comes up for me and, and it, it came out as a virtue, I think, in the um, work on the defects. Altruism, you know. That's my current word that captures the meaning the best. Yeah. Right now, yes. And, and, and if you haven't looked it up in your own dictionary, I really recommend you do that. Because okay. that, that helped me kind of like get... Get a, get a solid sense of, okay, yeah, this is really good. In my dictionary, it said doing something for the benefit of somebody else with no possible benefit for me. Right. Now, of course, there's variations on that theme, but that was, that, that anchored me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's what it is, but yeah, more will be revealed. So then, but all right, yes, <laughs> but then something just popped. So what does it mean, self-love? Self-love. What does it mean? Yeah, in the context of what we just said, doing something for the benefit of someone else with no possible benefit for myself. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, because it's a question. No, it, it's a question. It's not confusing. But, but you need to just sit with it. You don't need okay. to answer it. You don't okay. need to answer it. I'm, I'm raising, I hope everybody's hearing it. I'm raising questions for all of us to be asking and sort of like, oh, what, what does that mean? 
if you're interested, it might be like, yeah, that's too. No, it's not that. I, <laughs> I would like to know. Yeah. Because I would love to be able to. I, I think I've, I've shorted myself that. Oh, at the essence of it, that's exactly, that's exactly the insight. I have shorted myself because I've underestimated who I am. Yep, yep, good, good. That's the core. We got to the core okay. right there. I kind of like you, I had eight really deep resentments. You know, I drank for over three decades. Yep, me too. Yep. Pretty much on a daily basis. Oh, and, not me. <laughs> You're a bad punk. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I had a lot of resentments, mainly yep. with my mainly with my family. And I had some really, really deep resentments. And like you, it literally took me three months. And I'm still doing prayers of deep resentments on three of them. And really the solution for me came down to forgiveness. Yes. Okay, for, for example, my dad abused me as a child, right? Yes. And, and I had, so for the longest time, you know, I wake up every day or even, you know, I've had, I, I, I call them planes in my head. I couldn't land these planes in my head. Yeah. I heard it at meetings, some people say the noise in their head, the static in the attic, what have you. And then I was talking to my wife one day, you know, and I, you know, and I tell about these prayers of deep resentments that I'm doing. And right. she just, she looked at me one day and said, your father never could land those planes. And it, to me, it was just such an experience to hear that. Yeah. And there, there was the answer. And I could now forgive my father knowing that he didn't have the opportunity to go through this program. He wasn't an alcoholic, but he was addicted to rage. Yeah. Yeah. He may have been an alcoholic that didn't drink. Right. Yeah, certainly. Right. Yeah. He, he had a stroke in his early 40s just from being angry. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You see, alcohol is the medication until it's not. Until it becomes a poison. And then we have to find an alternative. Yeah. So I just wanted to say for me, you know, things are coming down everything's sort of boiling down to forgiveness and having, you know, having the hundred percent agree, a hundred percent agree. Okay. And so if, if you've got a couple of minutes, can I just talk about one situation? All right. Thank you. So right now, and I'm talking with my, my sponsor in, in with this one situation in particular, and I don't want to build a resentment on it. So, you know, I'm trying to work through it on a daily basis. So it doesn't form into a resentment but I'm having some real problems with it. And, you know, my sponsor is pretty tough. He, he'll say, didn't we just discuss this? <laughs> Whatever, you know? And right. so, and, and he said, the answer is, is acceptance and to trust and rely. And he said, you can't accept unless you trust and rely first. But every morning I wake up, uh, my, my brain is racing and I got to go through meditation. I got to go through prayer. And I got to practice forgiveness. And I'm just wondering, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Do you have any suggestions? Yes. <laughs> okay. It sounds to me like you're attempting to bring solutions to a problem that hasn't been identified. Exactly. Okay. Right. So 
my suggestion would be to do a, at least one column three and four on this situation so that you get very clear as to the lenses through which you're looking, the beliefs that you have about the way things should be, and the motives that you're coming at from whatever thoughts or feelings or words or behavior that you're, you're, uh, you're um, experiencing. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I do a column three and four, even though it hasn't fully formed into a resentment yet. And so what would, yes, I, oh, wonderful. Absolutely. Again, we're being creative. Right. Uh, so it's almost like a preemptive strike because it sounds like it's a resentment under construction. It is. It's a work in progress. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what word would you put there? For? For whatever it is you're experiencing. Right now? Mm-hmm. With respect to the resentment? Mm-hmm. It's not a resentment. Okay, a, an RIP, a resentment in progress. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no, what word would you use? Um, you mean to, to, to describe the resentment? To describe uh, what it is that is RIP. It's not a resentment. What no, is no, it's not. It's, um, um, who? Um, it's a, uh, it, it's, I, I mean, it's me trying to control the situation I can't control. Yes, that's true as an external description, even internal description. But what's the, the word that comes to me comes from the 10th step. Anytime I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with, wrong with me. me. Right. The spiritual accent. Is that okay. word, disturbed. Okay. This is a disturbance that hasn't quite hardened yet. I don't know whether it's anger or fear or shame or whatever the annoyance is, but it's disturbing you clearly. Oh my goodness. At the deep, yeah. Huh? And so why don't you do the third and fourth column on the disturbance, but be as specific as you can be about your thoughts and feelings and behaviors when you're doing the column three and four. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, well, no, thank you. And and again, as I've invited, whenever I step outside of the normal prescriptions, proscriptions, and my own experience, I would love feedback from you. As I've invited the others who are going to do some creative work, give us, give me certainly, but give us all the feedback to kind of like say, okay, did this work, number one, because it's an experiment, and number two, and if it does work, what 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 was your experience with it? I, I certainly will. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. <laughs>